to talk about the process of making disciples. I want to talk about really understanding what discipleship is. And it starts with the individual. It starts with you. You have the responsibility, first and foremost, I have the responsibility as a believer in Christ, as a follower of Christ, sitting in a church, no matter where you are in your walk and your journey, the beginning of your journey is acknowledging the authority of Jesus in your life. The beginning is saying, I submit myself to you, God. The beginning is saying, forgive me of my sins. And that is the greatest miracle that could ever, ever happen. I believe that with all my heart. Jesus died on the cross so that people could know him. There's no doubt about it. They gave their life to him. And I believe that the greatest miracle to this day still is, is, is salvation. But I remember Ann and I were able to be in New York City the last time that Billy Graham, you heard of Billy Graham? I hope you have. One of the greatest evangelists that ever lived, amazing man of God, amazing story, amazing life, all of the things that he did. And I remember growing up watching Billy Graham. Anybody ever watched the Billy Graham Crusades growing up? And, and you'd be real mad because it come on Friday night right in between Dukes of Hazard and, 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 and Incredible Hulk. And you're like, how is this man interrupting my Friday night? Because he took over the airways. And you see him in these huge stadiums and, 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 and he's preaching the gospel and, and, he's, and he's calling people to the, to the altar and people are running to the altars. And I saw Billy Graham over and over and over and over again, many times in my childhood and in my young adult life, to where he has these huge crusades and people are running to the altars to give their life to Christ. But when Billy Graham makes a statement like this, I, feel, I believe it's so important to repeat and understand where he's coming from from this perspective. He was in New York City the very last time he had an open-air coliseum or open-air football stadium experience where he had an evangelistic rally. And we were there, and they interviewed Billy Graham, and they said, you've had an amazing life. You've had an amazing ministry. You've done amazing things. If you had it to do all over again, what would you do differently? And this is what Billy Graham, the man that saw millions and millions and millions, literally millions of people come to Christ through the ministry that he had. And this is what Billy Graham said. He said, if I had it to do all over again, I would pour my life into 12 people and watch them change the world. He's basically saying he wanted to do what Jesus did. That's an incredible statement coming from a man that saw millions of people's lives changed and impacted. Why do you think that Billy Graham would say that? Because he understood what discipleship means. He understood what an impact that discipleship can make on humanity. He understood that, yes, you have to come to a knowledge of Jesus as a Savior, but more importantly than that, every one of us have a responsibility to, after we acknowledge him as a Savior, acknowledge him as Lord. We must acknowledge Christ as Lord because that is where you go from being a Christian to being a disciple. That's the beginning of you becoming a disciple of Christ. And you see, lordship is actually one of the central messages in the entire Bible. I did a study not too long ago, and this is pretty cool. I'm going to read in in Acts chapter 2. I think they got that scripture ready for us. It says this. It says, Acts chapter 2 verse 36 says this. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both. Everybody say both. To be both Lord and Messiah. You see, it's so easy for us to say, he's my savior. He's my deliverer. He's my, he's everything. There's so many people in this room that could say that Jesus is something different to them. Some people may say he's our healer. I told you that God healed Ann. There's no doubt about it. He's her healer. There's people in here that were delivered from drugs and alcohol abuse. And he was your deliverer. 
But very often we forget the fact that he's our Lord. And what does that mean for him to be our Lord? You see, Jesus himself is referred to as Lord 92 times just in the book of Acts. I was like, wow, that's pretty incredible. That's absolutely amazing. He's referred to as Lord 92 times in the book of Acts and over about 747 times in the New Testament. But he's only referred to as the Savior two times in the book of Acts and 24 times in the New Testament. I personally believe that there's an emphasis trying to be made there. It's an overwhelming emphasis and a concept of lordship that we must first know God before we ever make him known in this world. How do we know God? How do we get to that place of knowing God? Is he the master of our life? Is he the one that calls the shots in our life? Have we given him everything? You see, the beginning of salvation is the acknowledgement of that lordship. But we have the option of receiving Jesus as our savior and not as our Lord. How can I say that? Because people say that they're saved. They come to church, but then they don't live the lifestyle of a disciple. That's how we can say that. Romans 10 verse 9 says this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That's the beginning. But then uh, you keep calling me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. I remember as a child, uh, actually my, one of our kids, we have three boys. We're blessed with that. We're thankful for that. But they're stubborn. They're hard-headed. They're boys. All right? So anybody have children like that? If they're sitting beside you, don't raise your hand, all right? <laughs> we don't want to cause conflict in the house. But I remember our youngest son, um, and, and, and loves his mom. They're all mama's boys. They love their mom. And, and one time, she was trying to correct him, you know, hey, I need you to clean the room. We're about to have guests over, you know, and he would go do something else. And, and no, son, I need you to clean your room before you do anything else. I need you to clean your room. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. You have to clean your room. We have guests coming within a few hours. Clean your room. Didn't do it again. And, you know, I thought punishment was coming. I thought that, you know, he was going to be, you know, corrected in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And I'll never forget, she sat in the living room, and he came in there, and he said, she asked him, she's like, Drayden, did you clean your room? No, I forgot. No, I didn't have a chance. No, da, 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 da. And she said, Drayden, do you love me? And he said, yeah, of course. And she said, well, if you love me, you would obey me. He broke in tears, and he was probably about seven or eight years old. He broke in tears because he really gained an understanding of that, what Jesus is trying to say to us. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? The same thing is in obedience to our parents is to our Lord. So why am I telling you all this? What is the point of all this? The, the point is that is the beginning of discipleship. In Master's Commission, we teach the, the, the principle of knowing God so that we can make him known. How do you do that? How do you live that lifestyle of knowing God so that you can make him known? How do you understand that discipleship is a valuable lesson, is, is, is something that is valuable to the Christian, to the person that wants to know God more, is that discipleship is, this, is definitely, I believe, the heart of God. Have you ever seen a movie that uh, shows, maybe in a war movie, uh, I remember the scene of Saving Private Ryan and... Um, Lieutenant is on the, on the bridge, and, 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 and he's been shot, and he's fatally injured. And, and, and Private Ryan reaches down to him because he's saying something real quietly. And, and he leans down to him, and he says, what are you saying, sir? What are you saying? And he whispers to him. Those, he knows that those are the last words that he's ever going to speak. So he wants them to be the most important thing. 
I've seen different kinds of movies that do the same thing. Maybe they say, well, I love, tell my wife that I love her or tell my kids that I did everything I could for them. Well, I take that into understanding of Jesus. And the very last thing he said when he was on this earth, the very last thing he said was to go and make disciples. And then he went into the heavens. I personally believe that the last thing that Jesus spoke should be our number one priority in life as a Christian, as a follower, as a believer. That we should be not just disciples of Christ, but disciple makers, lifelong disciple makers. Why, why should that be the case? Because here, here's where we're at in, in the walk that we have in discipleship, understanding discipleship, being a disciple of Christ. I want you to understand that it is our responsibility as a follower of Christ Discipleship is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't come to an altar. You don't respond to a, a message and say, I am now a disciple and I have my discipleship card and now I'm forever a disciple. It is a process that you go through on a daily basis. It is a process that you know God more, that you learn who God is, that you seek his face continuously over and over and over again. And that process is not always easy. Life's not easy, is it? Experiences in life is not easy, but God gives us the opportunity to have experiences of knowing him, of learning who he is, of being around other people. And the thing that, that, that stops most Christians from discipling others is one thing and one thing alone. And the enemy loves this is he wants you to be afraid. He wants you to feel like you're not capable. He wants you to feel like you don't have the ability to do that. But I'm just going to tell you tonight, as a follower of Christ, as a believer in Jesus, as, as, a, as a man and woman of God, all you have to have is about that much more knowledge and understanding of Jesus than the person that you choose to disciple. And you are living in the will of God by discipling that person. So the challenge I want to make to you tonight is understanding how discipleship works. Understanding that you as a follower of Christ, you as a believer in Christ, should be continuously striving to know God more so that you can make him known. How many of you guys, let me, let me ask you real quick, all right? You, you know President Trump, right? Raise your hand, you know Trump, anybody? All right, great. How many of you have a cell phone number? No, you really probably don't. You really probably don't. And you shouldn't lie in church, all right? Just saying. But that's the understanding that we have in the Christian world. I grew up in church most of my life, and I would say young, as a young child that I knew God, but I really didn't know God. I knew of God, just like you know of President Trump. I knew of God because my mom and dad knew God. I knew of God because I came to church. But I didn't really know God until I started to apply myself in understanding the things of God to know him so that I can make him known. You cannot make people known about something you have no knowledge of. You cannot lead people places you've never been. Amen? So if you don't truly know God, it's hard for you to make him known. How does that work? I want to show you a really, really quick video, and then we're going to do something, all right? Check this out real quick. Jesus did big things. He gathered people together and taught them and fed them and met their needs in big ways. We want to do what Jesus did, so we also do big things like weekend services, kids club, community groups, and go trips. Jesus wanted people to know him and do the things he did, but he knew you could only learn so much standing in a crowd. So he also spent time with smaller groups of people, training them to be like him. He invested his life in making people who looked like him and could actually do what he did. 
disciples who were mature, skilled in reaching seekers, growing up other believers, and literally changing the world. He called this method discipleship, and here's how it works. Imagine if you were offered a penny an hour for 30 days, or the option to double just one penny every day. Taking a penny every hour equals a lot of pennies pretty fast, but doubling a penny daily starts out really slowly. In five days, you've only got 16 cents. By day 10, you're still at just over five bucks. But around day 15, those numbers start going bonkers, and at the end of 30 days of doubling, you end up with nearly five and a half million dollars versus a measly seven dollars and 20 cents. Now, apply that to investing in people. What if you took an entire year to focus on just one group of six friends? What if at the end of that year, they could walk with God like you do and could even help others like you help them? We call these groups of friends huddles. Then in year two, you find a new group to help and they all do too. Now there are six people, not just one, who are changing lives like Jesus. If those six people each take on a group of six, then in one year, 36 people are ready to take on their own groups of six. Project forward 10 years and well, the math just gets crazy. That's more disciples than would fit into the largest stadium in the world. That's the power of multiplication. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. He gave us a mission. Invest in people who will go outside themselves to reach lost people and train them to be like him. When we learn to make disciples like Jesus, this city will flip and the world will change. Why'd I show you such a simple video? Black and white, easy understanding, because that's exactly what it is. We make it complicated. We complicate things. Tracy, if you would come and help me finish this up, I want you to understand something. The process of making discipleship is easy. The process of making disciples is easy. It starts in Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read the scripture to you, and I'm going to close with this. I want you to get this. Matthew chapter 28 says this. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want to give you two things really quick in the next three minutes that will help you be a powerful superhero discipler. And these two things are specifically two promises in this scripture that we just read. If you guys will leave that scripture on the screen, I want, them to, I want everybody to see this. Two words stand out to me in this promise that Jesus speaks to us. He speaks over us. He declares it over our lives. As a follower of Christ, as a believer in me, if you believe that I died for your sins, you believe that I, I rose from the grave, you believe in me, this is the power that you have. And I want you to get this. Two promises from Jesus to you. First promise is that all authority is ours. Everybody say authority. The authority of Jesus Christ is yours. That is your promise. Promise number two is that God is with us always. Say always. At your job, at your school, in Walmart. It doesn't matter where you're at. God is with you always as a believer in Christ. God has given you authority over everything in this world. Those are the promises of God. It's not what you can do, but what he can do in you. You have to get that. You see, reasons that you have to disciple people. 
Reasons that you see, yeah, I took this video from our church. It's just some, it's an illustrated video that we show people the easy understanding of how to start discipling people. Let, let me show you how easy it is. Between now and next Wednesday, you can invite somebody to coffee and go spend 30, 30 minutes with them to get to know them, them get to know you. That is the beginning of a discipleship relationship. Just like that. Take somebody to lunch. Meet them. Go, 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 to, go somewhere together and spend time and get to know them. That is the beginning of a discipleship process. Why, why would we do that? Why would we ever take away our time, our family time? Here's the reasons why you must be a discipler. It's not my suggestion. It's not the, the rules of Pastor Paul. It's not the rule. I love this church. I love everything about this church because I love your pastor. I love his heart. And this is a discipleship church. There's no question about it. Every time I talk to him, I get excited about the values that this church has. But the reason that they have these values is simply as this, because they understand discipleship and why we must be disciplers. We must be disciplers, number one, because Jesus demands it. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, well, you might need to do this if you want to be a good Christian and get some extra points on your record. No, Jesus demands that we become disciplers of him. Number two, it causes multiplication. You just saw it on the screen there. I've used that illustration all over this world. I've been in, I've been in some of the craziest places. I've been in the backwoods huts of Africa and explaining that illustration that you just saw about a penny a day or a, a, a million dollars. I've given that illustration using many different types of currency. And multiplication is powerful. And we could multiply the church. You could literally see everybody within your city disciple within a few years if we simply truly started discipling people. We really could. The last reason why we must disciple because it fulfills what Jesus came here to do to begin with. Those are the reasons why but I want you to be encouraged that Jesus has spoken a promise of you. I didn't come here tonight to give you a guilt trip. I didn't come here tonight to say you're not worthy. I didn't come here tonight to say you're not doing a good job. I came here tonight to challenge you. With Master's Commission, Master's Commission is just a tool. Pastor Paul said it earlier. He told you what we're about. You have Master's Commission here at your church. But we have Master's Commission in many countries all over this world. We have Master's Commissions in many states all over this nation. And it's just a tool for us to teach the church. It's just a tool for us to give to young adults who are at a major crossroads in their life, who are making some of the most critical decisions in their entire life. These young adults are making decisions about who they're going to marry, what their career is going to be, what they're going to do for the remainder of their life. We're not preparing them for ministry because most people look at ministry as this, me standing behind this table with a laptop telling you what you should and shouldn't do or what Pastor Paul does or, or what Pastor Doreen does when, when she does what she's doing all over the state. No, that's not ministry. Your life is ministry. It doesn't matter if you're working a job at the local uh, automobile store or if you're working a job as a plumber. Your life is as, more, as much valuable and meaningful as my life is because your life is ministry. Our responsibility in Master's Commission is to prepare students for life because life is ministry. This is not ministry right here. Being a pastor or youth pastor or children's pastor, that's not only ministry. Every single one of us are responsible to be ministers of the gospel. If you believe in Jesus with all your heart and you've given your life to him, you're living for him, you're loving him, you should be telling people about him and making disciples. 
That's as simple as that. That's my challenge to you tonight. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, and we're going to close this thing out. I know we only have a few minutes left, but we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Close your eyes, bow your head. I believe that God woke me up this morning. There's no question about it challenging me to challenge you to do this. First and foremost, if you're in this place tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're not living for him and you don't, you, you've gotten away from him or you've slipped away from the things of God, this is just much for you because the beginning of salvation, the beginning of discipleship is salvation. The beginning of salvation is acknowledging him as your Lord. If you've been living a life that you do not acknowledge him as Lord, but you acknowledge him as your Savior, and you're ready to change that. You're ready to say, God, you're not just my Savior. You're not just my deliverer. You're not just my healer. You are my Lord, because here's the thing about that. If he's not Lord above all things in your life, he's not Lord at all in your life. So if God has not been your Lord, and you want to make him your Lord, first and foremost, just simply just lift your hand right where you're at. I see you. Thank you. I see, I see several, two, three, four hands right there. Thank you for being honest. I want God to be the Lord of my life. That's a bold statement. That's a powerful statement that you just made. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being bold. Jesus saw that most importantly. Now, the next thing I'm going to ask you to do is, is continue to keep your eyes closed. Continue to just give, give everybody some, some space right here for just a moment. I've been going to church my whole life. I acknowledge God as my Lord. I acknowledge him as my savior. But you know what? This area of discipleship, I've really been struggling. Most people in church today fit that description. Most people in church today have never even led somebody to Christ, much less have they discipled somebody. But it's as simple as walking them through the plan of salvation. It's as simple as walking them through understanding the Bible. It's as simple as encouraging them to come to church. Maybe you have been challenged tonight to take up the mantle of discipleship because you've gotten away from that. If that's you tonight, just raise your hand. I want to be a discipler. I want to be a lifelong discipler. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Many, many, many hands. And that is the heartbeat of God. That should, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. That is God's heart. Well, I'm discipling 16 people right now. Praise God for that. God bless you. I'm discipling my children. God bless that. Because if you're not discipling your own children, you have no right to disciple anybody else. But God wants us to be disciplers. Those of you that raised your hand, if you would do me a favor... For whatever it was, what either of those two or three things that I just asked, if you would just simply, nobody's going to know which one you raised your hand for, so it doesn't matter. If you would simply stand up where, right where you're at as a public proclamation saying, I want to do things better, period, point blank. I want to be better at either one of these things, any of these things. I want to be a better discipler. I want to disciple people. I want God to give me the confidence to disciple people. I want to disciple people no matter where it's at, what it is. Come on, continue to stand your feet. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You guys are being bold. This, is, this right here will make a difference. Just the people that are standing will multiply the kingdom of God, will grow this church, will grow the church, will grow the kingdom. I want to be a discipler. I want to be a discipler. I want to know God and make him known. I'm going to close this out a little bit differently 
because I want your pastor to come and I want your pastor to pray over you that are standing. I want him to pray a prayer of blessing. I want him to pray a prayer of faith. I want him to pray a prayer of, of multiplication. So Pastor Paul, you see those that are standing and it doesn't matter if you're standing or not standing. This is between you and Jesus. I have nothing to do with this. This has nothing to do with me. I'm not taking numbers. I'm not counting people. Pastor Paul is just going to pray this prayer of blessing of faith, of strength. He's going to pray this prayer of blessing. It's coming from your pastor's heart. It's coming from him to see multiplication of the body of Christ, to see multiplication of the kingdom, to go and make disciples in all the world because Jesus demands it. He expects it. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here tonight. And I pray for multiplication in this city, in this region, in this church, and for the kingdom. Stay with us while I pray. Stand here with me. Let's pray together right now. I'm going to take Brother Derek's hand right here, and we're going to pray together for us. What a great challenge. Father, we pray together right now because, Lord Jesus, you said that the disciples that bore fruit, you would prune that we would bear even more. And, Father, I pray tonight that this would be a launching pad for us tonight. I pray, Father, for every person that's standing here, beginning with me and Derek on this stage, that you would multiply the fruit that we've been able to bear. Then instead of one or two, you would cause 10 or 20. Instead of 10 or 20, there would be 100 or 200 or 1,000 or 2,000. Father, we can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples in the seed. And I pray that you would cause these that are standing tonight to be anointed with the Holy Spirit, that you would press out of them that oil of God and you would use them in the name of Jesus to bring great disciples into the kingdom of God. I pray, Father, that our fruitfulness would abound. I pray that our fear would disappear. I pray, Father, that every doubt would be washed away and that we would see you on the cross and see you resurrected and that we would walk with you and change our world. I pray that you help every one of these to do it tonight. May this be a, a time, a watershed moment, a point of no return where we say from this moment forward, I'm going to walk with Jesus and I'm going to help other people to walk with him too. Bless each one tonight, we pray. We thank you for it all in the name of Jesus. Now, if you're not standing, would you join us all as we all stand together and let's pray God's blessing on us as we go our way. We thank you, Father, tonight for every person in this building, all the young people, all the people that are adults, and we pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would bless us as we go our way, use us to enhance and build forth your kingdom. Bless these people tonight in Jesus' name. If you can agree, say amen. amen. Two things. Would you give Pastor Derek a big hand? Thank you for coming tonight.